genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one Aer Lingus at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. Uh, and joining us today is Joe Dorowski from the Protagonist Podcast. Hi. Hello, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Of course. I feel uh, like it's been a while since we've had you on. I, I think uh, I missed the two towers. I was on uh, the, the Fellowship uh, minute but mm. w- with with your particular movie project if you miss one film it is quite the gap yeah <laughs> good good two years three years since last we spoke on uh on this show is that right it's been a while it must be, right yeah well wow. also you're you're like a full film's length into this one before i'm able to jump in on these that's, minutes. yeah that's true a long film's length yeah yeah, yeah. Tr- a traditional <laughs> movie by minute would already be done with the, with their film <laughs> Because today we're talking about minute 156, which starts with Theoden shouting forth Aer Lingus and ends <laughs> with Gothmog uh, shouting fire at will. Mm-hmm. Which Little is Gothmog. a really good bookend on a minute, I think. Mm-hmm. And those are pretty much the only two lines of dialogue in the minute. Okay. Well, yes. Other that than is a great... some, some yells here and there. Uh, a great uh segue into I, I was hoping that we could play a quick round of best spoken line in this minute of lord of the rings uh and you've you've already <laughs> named um our contenders for this minute uh there's fourth erlingus fire at will though gothmog does at another point say fire and according mm-hmm. to the script i found mary yells death when it looks like he's just screaming he may actually be yelling death i don't know yeah. Uh, and Theoden does yell charge. So those are our options for best line of this minute. Fourth Erlingus, fire, death, charge, or fire <laughs> at will. It's clearly fourth Erlingus. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think there's really much competition in this round. <laughs> uh it's one of the most satisfying line deliveries in the whole movie. That's I feel like you're biased. I absolutely am. <laughs> But we're just coming off Theoden's awesome speech. Right. That's why Mary is shouting death, because mm-hmm. he did that uh, in the last minute, too. Death! He sure did. A lot of them are, I think. Like, the the, the yelling that they do when they're charging. Yeah, I think a lot of the background like, more. Yeah. A lot of the background yelling is death. Honestly, if, if you were standing here, where these orcs are, and then, like, all of these mounted combatants start screaming death while hurtling towards you, I'd be scared. Out of the sunlight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the stuff coming? Because on, on set, there's a lot of people on this set on this day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, look at it. There's... <laughs> Yeah, uh, depending on who you're listening to on the commentary, it's anywhere from 200 to 600 people on horseback when they're filming all this stuff for this scene. Wow. That is a lot. That's a lot of horses. Yeah, I was wondering, because, yeah. um, you know, often they, they do do, you know, CGI for background or CGI to expand, but there was a lot of shots where pretty clearly, like, that is distinctly a real horse and not, you know, the semi-blurred CGI 
that that we get at yeah. this point in in film uh, filmmaking history. Uh, and so I was definitely impressed with uh, the amount of uh, actual footage that had to have been shot in this minute. Mm-hmm. We get to see such a nice variety too of Rohirrim armor. Uh, they said that there is uh, oh how many sets of armor is it? I I wrote it down for last week's notes. I have it written down still in front of me. You mean you don't remember what we talked about? Right. Oh my god. <laughs> um, there were six hundred people on set filming this pretty much at all times mm-hmm. for one side or the other, and almost everyone is in armor for all of the filming of this. So they had six hundred sets of armor with all the prop people to keep track of it during all of this. That's so cool. Which Talking side about... do you think would be less comfortable wearing all the metal or wearing all the orc makeup? Oh, orc makeup. The for orc sure. makeup's probably worse. You probably have longer days. Because then you are also like, not only are you in, well, I guess because a lot of the, the horse, um, the horsemen are actually like horse women. Yeah. And they have, uh, like, so they have like prosthetic on. beards on, but like, I feel like the hor- the the orc makeup would be worse, and then you have orc armor, right? But all the all the orc guys have to start earlier in the day, right? Yeah, because they have more more detailed prosthetics and makeup and everything else to put on, right? Like the the design team talks about their day starting at two a.m. and ending at ten p.m. Oh sometimes my god! When they were doing all this stuff, that's a long because of just day. how much stuff right. they had to keep track of and do. Wow movies right that's a long day what does an eight-hour day mean to someone working on a movie set that's absolutely nothing right an eight-hour day is like a vacation yeah i remember (laughs) when i was in college taking one of my first film classes on one of the first days the teacher showed the credits just the credits to i think it was braveheart but it was just like sit here and pay attention to every name that goes by and realize these are all like interlocking pieces to make one film Uh, and Mm -hmm. it is a bit of a miracle that we get any film ever <laughs> when you start to think about the especially logistics. good ones yes yeah mm-hmm. but all the logistics that have to go on behind the scenes and certainly you could do the same trick with any of the lord of the rings credits you i just before we started recording you were trying to uh, calculate how many minutes of credits there are by looking at your notes and these credits go mm-hmm. on and on for quite a while because of right. the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who had to be involved like like you said for this scene yes we're seeing uh, you know, uh, hundreds of horses being ridden and that's amazing but then you have to think about how many behind the scenes people are there for every single person that's on a horse in terms of makeup in terms of costume yeah. in terms of horse wrangling mm-hmm. uh, everything right and Weta wasn't really that big of a place they hired so many people to work on these movies so many locals worked on these movies as extras they got people that worked at local universities to help them make props all kinds of stuff so it's just kind of it's just kind of crazy the sheer the sheer number of people that worked on the these movies in particular when you try breaking that down because mm-hmm. they talk about like each person maybe being able to keep track of five to six people's worth of of props at a time and stuff and it's just there's six hundred people here that's that's another hundred people right just supervising what your where your props are and uh, L- Lawrence Mockery talks about being in the orc makeup. And just anytime you're eating, it feels like the makeup people are watching you like a hawk. (laughs) He talks about having to eat like barbecue ribs with a knife and fork. That's funny. (laughs) Cutting little bites so he doesn't have to open wide. (laughs) Yeah. Well, isn't that uh, one thing that 
uh, oh, who was it? Was it Napoleon who said, like, you can move an army, but feeding the army is an entire separate problem. Uh, and so mm-hmm. when we're talking yeah. about all these people, I, one of my first thoughts was, who who had to feed so many <laughs> people working those long shifts on these days? Right. Right. Because right, if, if there's 600 people Craft on services, set, man. right? Because if there's 600 people on set in armor and prosthetics, and then all the, the film crew and all the art crew and the makeup crew and the prosthetics crew and everybody... And then craft services. Yeah. <laughs> and then the people that has to feed all these people. Uh, it, it really is amazing that we got this film. Yeah. <laughs> but like you can feed 600 people in three hours with four people. I know that from personal experience. <laughs> but it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. And that's cooking everything as they're telling you what they want. Yeah. That's insane. It's not a great time, but it, it, it is a passing of time, I guess. <laughs> but it doesn't take that many people as long as the food is there. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, we get this we get this charge across the field. Uh, apparently their biggest worry at this location was rabbit holes. Ooh, yeah. Because they had... Uh, everyone says... Uh, everyone that talks about horses except for Dominic Monaghan when he's he's being kind of a sarcastic jerk when Billy Boyd asks him how many horses were there and he's just, oh, I was talking to Pete and he told me there were at least 11. <laughs> just like, except for him being being sarcastic as him and Billy Boyd constantly are on the commentaries. It's a delight. <laughs> um, everyone's like, there were at least 200 horses on this at this place mm-hmm. anytime they did any kind of charge with them. Well, I like the... Um... I like the shot that opens this minute where we see them all lined up like all across the frame. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, I would like to point out uh, to to Joe at the beginning of this minute, Theoden's sword is in his right hand, right? His scabbard is also on the right side of his body. What the heck? Because oh, that... Bernard Hill is left-handed. Oh, <laughs> This is the only, this is the scene he filmed right-handed as Theoden. Huh. Was it just for the staging they they needed? They needed it that way? Yeah. Talking about, like, the miracle of movies just, like, reminds me also that they had to do this the spear thing from the end of last week with Bernard Hill right-handed to come towards the camera because that's where they had all the filming set up. <laughs> that's funny. Which is just, like, a funny thing that now I'm I'm aware of it looking at the beginning of this minute and being relatively close to him as he's crossing with the scabbard on his right hip and the sword in his right hand. Yeah. It's just kind of funny to me. Yeah, it is. Just like, oh, weird that. Handedness. We're back. We're back with handedness. Yeah. Well, uh, (sighs) speaking of left and right, that that actually goes into something I wanted to to mention. Um, In, in filmmaking, it, it, well, in, in American filmmaking, there's the classic technique that is used that um, American audiences, because we read left to right with our uh, with our written word, we actually read screens left to right. And so there's mm-hmm. the, uh, the standard is that good guys move left to right in a battle and bad guys move right to left uh, because we give natural momentum. 
and it feels proper to be moving left to right across the screen. And there's a kind of an unsettling feeling with people moving right to left across the screen. Uh, and that's once you start to look for that, you'll see it all over the time that when they want you to feel unsettled, uh, people are moving across the screen the wrong direction. And that's one reason why I think American audiences sometimes struggle with foreign films. It's not just that we are resistant to su- subtitles, it's that it actually elicits a different emotional response when they're framed opposite uh, for cultures mm. that read right to left. But this whole minute is just a fantastic example that you could use to teach this in film school of moving left to right and the antagonist facing right to left yeah. uh, in the screen. That's interesting. Yeah, I've, the, I've um, never really thought about that, but that just makes the, way too much sense. The, the the fording of the river with the orcs, then they go right to They're left. They're going right to left. Yeah, but it but, but it that still feels me, kind of like weirdly yeah, heroic. But, yeah, right. But that scene to me still feels heroic because we're primed to see that imagery as heroic because of the story of the crossing of the Delaware. Yeah, but like so that's a weird specific, thing. Specifically, American audiences, though. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of funny. I. I don't. I think because I read a lot of manga and watch a lot of anime, that I maybe am less sensitive to that. Mm. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that you become less attuned to it, or are able to like code switch pretty easily. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I've literally never even thought about that. That's I don't really know. cool. Yeah. It just well, they, now they, you've just blown my mind. It just <laughs> makes too much sense. They even angle the camera so that when it looks like the horses are charging, they actually give just enough angle that it still feels like they're not coming at you. They're coming, you know, moving across the screen from left the left. To right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's so. And cool. then the orcs firing their arrows are just straight on the you know right, shooting directly left. You know, is what is what mm-hmm. it feels like. Which I mean, you need that kind of orientation uh for the audience to stay situated within a battle like sometimes when you get frustrated with battle scenes it's because they don't give you the a a clear line of uh positioning for for the forces Mm -hmm. and this it does a really fantastic job of keeping you very aware of uh which group is facing what direction at all times and and how they're going to interact and, and meet yeah man that's cool that's i'm now just we're watching when the, part of the minute back, and now I'm just like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. When the orcs are are um, charging towards uh, Minas Tirith, though, like... They're also coming left to right. Yeah, so maybe just, like, um, the movement is... And then, like, the stationary. But that's it's because we know Minas Tirith is on the right. If you want the heroes to feel trapped uh, and uh, less in power, uh, then they're uh-huh. often on the right side facing an oncoming force that's moving left to right. Oh, because then they feel like the because we give all the momentum going left to right. Um, so like okay. very often in like um, suspense films, like within the moment where you're like waiting for something to jump out, the hero is now positioned in the bottom right corner of the screen, and there's all the space in the upper left, and you feel like anything could come from anywhere over there, and there's nowhere for the hero to go because reading the screen left to right, they're at the edge of the screen, and it feels like they're trapped, even though there may be complete open space over there. Just it's a sensation mm. that we get when we look at the screen. That's so cool. Yeah. Film theory, man. Right. I mean, I think <laughs> I think all that film theory stuff is super interesting. Right. It is. Um, yeah, but the um, the right to left thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, that is exactly how they establish the army at Helm's Deep. It comes from the right side of the screen to the left. Mm-hmm. When that orc is up on the little poke of rock, blowing the horn, mm-hmm. the army is moving in from the right, and the heroes are all looking at them from the left of yeah. the screen. Yeah. Nice. And then when Amor and Gandalf arrive they're charging from the left down into the orcs on the right. <laughs> right. That's cool. In a very similar setup to this scene. They, they got to do the a lot of charging army shots for these films. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, we see we get to see so much variety in armor. There's a bunch of different details on shields for mm -hmm. crests. There's a a ton of little of just little things in this charge that if you really want to pick it apart, there's dozens of different varieties of shields and spears and weapons and armors. Well, and helmets too. Like I was just looking as we get kind of a pan across some of the the close ups. Like everyone's like headwear is distinct too. Mm -hmm. And there's there's like common kind of threads between some of the styles of headwear, but they are all they all are like pretty unique to their person. Theoden has the most unique helmet of anyone. Well, yeah, he's the king. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, but Carl Urban has the best helmet. <laughs> it's just how it is. There are a few other um, horsehair helms though in this lineup. Yeah, not too many. Maybe they're also, like, leaders of different factions. Probably. Because the you can see the people with the banners, too, the ones that are streaming, are largely, most of the ones we see are centralized behind Theoden, but yeah. there are a few scattered in other places. I like that it's um, not all uniform. To me, it feels more, like, real. Yeah, oh, I mean, it evokes the sense that he called them from all over the kingdom that was yeah. set up through the first part of the movie. Yeah, these aren't uh, soldiers coming off an assembly line from the same place with the same armory or anything like that. Right. right. This is this village could send these guys. These are the weapons they tend to have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, through the whole the whole line here. Mm -hmm. uh, Six thousand horses is what this is supposed to be, uh, which is the same number of horses as uh, Napoleon had at the Battle of Waterloo. Wow. Which Tolkien was certainly aware of. Yeah, I'd imagine. So it's like an important number that he just stuck in the story for the Rohirrim here in this in this moment. Because mm -hmm. that's what it's described in the book. 6,000 horses of the Rohirrim show up to rescue Minas Tirith. Mm -hmm. It just looks like so, so many in the wide shot as the gap closes. Yeah. Do you know, like, was it ever, did any horses fall during the charge or anything like that the, in the behind the scenes? Because that was one thing I was, like, worried about. Like, just seeing that many, I'm like, I, I mean, obviously they give us, the, you can tell the CGI ones that are getting shot out from other people. Um, and, I mean, it's good CGI. I'm not trying to call out the CGI, but I was just thinking, like, there's so many horses here that are striding. If one goes down anywhere, that's that's trouble. That's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. They said that yeah. that was their, their biggest concern with any horse scene. But especially in this area, because this isn't a part of New Zealand where there's a bad rabbit infestation. So they they combed this set over for days beforehand, filling in all the holes mm -hmm. and trying to like, I I hope they tried to catch the rabbits and not just bury them in their own homes. I think rabbits are, are not native, though. So they're like right. considered a pest. Yeah, they're a pest animal. So, I mean. I don't know. So they poor, maybe they did. Rabbits. I don't know. Poor rabbits. They didn't do nothing wrong. Yeah. They don't know any better. Right. Um, but they don't mention any horses getting injured. John Howe does call out that he the ability to see horses downed in medieval battle scenes like this is one of the like little things that CGI gives to film that they couldn't do before this at all. Mm. Because you can't safely see a horse fall down like this in a movie. Right. Just and because saying, they can do it, it though doesn't mean Oh, go. Sorry, go what ahead. were you gonna say? I was going to say, um, there's a, a few of those horses that you see go down, like they're being shot out from under people. And 
I, I think it's excellent CGI, but there is something about it. Um, and, you know, at this point, this is, you know, how, over a decade old where you do like it does visually kind of catch uh, now. And I don't remember it catching then that, oh, that, that one's CGI <laughs> you know, as, as it tumbles mm-hmm. out from under them. Yeah. It looks like they're not quite hitting the ground when you watch it back really slow. It looks like they're hitting and going limp kind of just above the ground. Like they don't, floating? Yeah, they don't quite look like they have the right weight. But everything is moving so fast that I you wouldn't notice it at full speed, I don't think. Yeah. But when you slow it down, they do look kind of, it mostly looks awkward the way they flatten against the ground. Yeah, I think you're right, looking at it, uh, you know, doing the scrub of the minute that you sent me. I think, um, I think it's still effective. Like, yeah. it definitely mm-hmm. elicits, like, an emotional, like, oh, God, I, I, I don't like watching this because right. it's really sad. <laughs> Makes you really glad to see that no animals were harmed in the making yes, of this yes, film. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Well, I guess that, yeah, that tag should tell us if any horses fell <laughs> during the charge, right? Right. Right, if that's not there, oh no. Yeah, I hope that <laughs> happened. <laughs> what about this, uh, amongst the orcs, so we've talked a lot about the armor on the uh, on uh, the good guy side. Uh, towards the end of this minute, there's this one orc that has a very distinctive face. Do you know if that orc was ever given any any name in the story? Uh not Gothmog, but so. the the one that's kind of the uh, other really like, pale skinned one. Yeah, and it's kind of bald, but with a little a tuft of mohawk that you see being pulled back. Yeah, I think he's not wearing a helmet. He's not. Yeah, he's like one of the only orcs not wearing a helmet. Probably because they wanted a reaction scene of a of an orc not with a helmet on, so you could see the prosthetic like for this moment. So they just got a close up shot of a guy that wasn't wearing one. Mm-hmm. There's probably a couple more peppered in, but just shots they didn't use. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting because we talked about the color previously in this movie is that there are orcs here wearing red. And red generally is associated with monarchy. With royalty or nobility in the color scheme of this movie. The design team like goes out of their way to point it out in the commentary of this film. Mm -hmm. So the fact that there are orcs wearing red, especially one in the foreground that has the brightest piece of red cloth in the line makes me think that they were taken off the bodies of like some of the Rohirrim that went out. Well, the Rohirrim haven't, um, or not the Rohirrim, the, the Gondorian oh, soldiers Gondorian, that went out. Yeah. Cause some of those guys, maybe they were wearing red, like red stuff, red clothes underneath their armor. I also think that it's just like a nice, um, like a color wheel thing because like the Rohirrim are mostly green. So they're like softer they're, tones. well, no, like, cause the opposite color of green would be oh, it was red. Yeah, red. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know. It's not opposite. It's like what? Complementary? Uh, contrasting? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember really. But I was just I, looking I, at so many it, color wheels because we're painting. We just moved into a new house and we're painting walls and I was studying color theory to choose. <laughs> and and uh, all the terms <laughs> you're throwing out, I'm like, yeah, those are terms. I can't make sense of it any longer. Those are words to... that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stare at it too long, it loses all meaning. Those yeah. certainly yeah, are yeah. words. Like, we had all the paint swatches <laughs> with, like, slightly different variations. It's like, colors have no meaning anymore. I don't I don't know anymore. Right? <laughs> no, the, the red thing just stuck out to me because the design team made a mention, like, made a, made a point to say that the use of red is important across the movie. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that there's just this I think, part... Uh, where this red stuff here. Yeah, I think it is just in contrast to the green. That makes sense. Um, because like we see like um, green cloaks and then immediately after we cut to the red. Yeah, I mean, I think that the design of this orc guy's face that we can see too is maybe a holdover of uh, different orc designs. Like this looks like an insert shot. So I wonder if this was 
a new orc design inserted into this so they didn't have to use any of the ones the from orcs ones. they thought were a little too silly. Yeah. Because we see some of those guys across this battle. Um, there's the, there's a guy last, there's an orc last week that looks like Darth Maul. Nice. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. He's got like black and red face paint on. Yeah. Or like his skin looks red and he's got like black face paint on. It's weird. He's in two, he's in two of the minutes last week. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's in, he's just attacking Gondor soldiers. As one does when yeah. one is an orc. Like it, it, and that's so random to me. That one always sticks out to me anytime I watch the movie. It was like, why does this orc look like Darth Maul? Um, but we mentioned yeah, I think the... this guy's just an insert shot. Okay. The headpieces around him, of the orcs that are around him, they look like uh, the uh, uh, the Nazgul helmet, right? The, um... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little it's bit just inspired more that by. Aesthetic. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, exactly. But, like, some of these guys in the foreground have, like, the the rounded dish helmets, like some of the guys, that, like some of the orcs that Helm's Deep had. So there's, there's quite a little hodgepodge. But actually, most of these orcs wearing red have, like, all the same kind of armor. Yeah, like, so I wonder if these arm, are Gothmog's... Arm pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, is it the archers they're all wearing, they're wearing like, red? red browns? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, like, this group in the foreground, it looks like, mostly. And I wonder if maybe that these guys we see up close like this, that are all wearing matching armor... Maybe they're, and they're like, elite archers. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're, like, Gothmog's elite guys. Maybe. Like his guards. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I'm just trying to like think about use of red in other places. Yeah, like, yeah. why do you? I have think red? this would be an exception. Yeah, but then Theoden's got red. Right. Or Theoden has some red. Amor's got red. But we haven't decided. Uh, we don't have as much Amor in this minute. That's sad. <laughs> well, next minute's gonna have some Amor. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. But I think that about does it for this minute. So we are, we're all uh, from the website duelinggenre.com, mm-hmm. where you can also find the Protagonist Podcast, Tell hosted by Jodorowsky. Tell us a little bit about the Protagonist Podcast. On the Protagonist Podcast, we talk about a great character in a great story each week, and we try and keep it eclectic and mix it up in terms of what medium of story we're talking about, and also the genre or style or, or even tone of the story that we're going to talk about. And we've had both Norman and Cassandra on as guests, and we'll be having them on again in the future. Um, But if you like, think about story just in general, maybe not with the specificity of we're going to be talking about one film for the rest of our lives. Uh, The Protagonist Podcast (laughs) is is an option uh, to find some of that kind of discussion. Nice. And I had a lot of fun being on there. Yeah, I, I enjoy being on that show. I've talked uh, almost exclusively about comics and anime so far. That's on brand for you. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> uh, and if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to support Dueling Genre on Patreon, you can go to duelinggenre.com/support, where for as little as one dollar a month, you get access to Scott Pilgrim versus the Minute and access to more extras beyond that. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute One Hundred and Fifty Seven. Bye. Bye.